0: Welcome to Women Audaciously, where we have bold, fearless, and daring conversations about all things women. I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Liz. And this is Women Audaciously. Welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. So, we want to talk about something... um, I don't know. I feel like it's maybe near and dear to my heart just because I've seen it manifest several times in family members, personally, and even with, like, different clients. And it's really about how trauma manifests itself within our bodies, especially as women. Absolutely. I feel like this particular topic is also near and dear to my
1: heart. Because I spent a lot of my life not understanding why I reacted the way that I reacted um, when certain things happened until I went on the healing journey with God. And I realized like, whoa, this started when I was like three or eight and I'm now having to go back and heal and map these things out with either inner healing or deliverance or therapy or counseling. And so I'm super excited because I feel like, and I feel like this may be like a two episode one (laughs) because we're so passionate about it, but we just want to encourage you. This isn't going to be an easy one to listen to, No. but please stay engaged and stay all the way through because I can guarantee you that not everything that we're sharing will apply to you, but there will
0: be something that you can glean from this. Yeah. So I guess to maybe just start and kick it off, um, I think this is there's a book by the same name, but I know that this is something that I've heard over the years, over the years, and it's one of those things where you're just like, okay, until it becomes a part of your reality or a part of the reality of someone that you love, and that phrase is the body keeps score, mm-hmm. and I'm pre- I'm pretty sure it's a book, and so. Over the years, doing different research, um, even just in terms of like healing and um, some of the research I was doing was around like the impact of prayer, meditation on like cancer patients and things like that. And one of the interesting uh, data points that we came across was the fact that when they were doing the intake on women with breast cancer, I think it was something like 87% of them also had had this huge, like, dynamic history with heartbreak or trauma. And so they began to correlate the emotional trauma of heartbreak or even molestation or even um, maybe even heartbreak from maybe your parents not showing up, whatever it is, heartbreak. And so where's our heart? It's in our breast and chest area, right? So literally, this physical manifestation taking place of something that's emotional and it's been festering and it hasn't been dealt with. And so it then manifests into disease in our body. Wow. And I think for me,
1: the book that you're talking about is called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's one of our recommended readings. I am on the deliverance team for my church. And so it's we go through training, but then we have support Mm -hmm. Um, and just the study of it. And this isn't actually written by a Christian person. It's actually from a very, you know, medicine, like science type of point of view. Um, But even the way that I can equate to this is um even to like maybe like three months ago a particular person started messaging me and it triggered a response in my body and I will Mm. say this I was in my church walking to the bathroom and somebody touched me from behind and I yelled so loud you probably would have thought that I was getting murdered And the girl was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. And immediately, I did not know what had just happened. And I was like, where did this come from? And, like, immediately, I recalled that this individual that had just started messaging me would always grab me like that. Uh. And so my response was fear and, like, a screaming for help. And so I had to pull her aside and be like, hey, so... This is totally not you. This is a me thing. Um, Thank you for bringing it up. But my body, like, it tensed up. I screamed, and my heart was racing so fast. And it wasn't that I was actually in danger. It was just a recollection of something. Automatic.
0: Yeah. And the thing about it is, is like, our. so we talk about, and we throw out these words, like, intuitive and, you know, natural and whatever. And the fact of the matter is, is like as dynamic as our body is, we have layers, kind of like the atmosphere, right? Yeah. We have atmosphere, ozone layer, and this hemisphere and all this. Our body is the same way. Where in that moment, you, the seed, that person messaging you, planted the the memory to awaken in your body. So now your body is in a state of recognition, awareness, on alert because of your your contact with this person. So then you have someone else totally unrelated. Now your body is in this constant state now. So when anything, no matter who it was, it could have been somebody even totally different than that person. It Anybody could have been my best friend. Could have been it. Yeah. That would have grabbed you or touched you or done anything like that because that it was uh, reawakened and now you were in a reawakened state if they would have done that before you started communicating with this person via messenger you may not have had that same response
1: and the thing is is that this person does this to me often <clears throat> so my response was what was foreign to her and she thought she had actually hurt
0: me yeah because i've never responded to that but it's because you're you're wound so to speak right an emotional wound or a trauma wound was reawakened just through the communication. And this is the part when it comes to being like mindful and intentional about who we're having conversations with. Um, we, you know, folks say Garja Gates, Garja Gates, but honestly who we're talking to, how long we're talking to them, whether or not we should even be in communication with them. <coughs> I'm sorry. Are literally connected to this issue because if we're in consistent contact and communication with people who are connected to our traumas, we are reawakening those wounds and putting ourselves in a very, um, a high alert, vulnerable state, super vulnerable state. But also like, that can be, um, that can be almost like a form of abuse because, Someone knowing that they affect you like that, they can just come back every two years and just like shoot you a message to send you into a tailspin. They don't even really want to talk to you. They're not really even concerned about what's going on in your life. They just want you to, they just want to throw you off. And then there's others that are genuinely reaching out and maybe they don't know the impact that they have on you, but it's so layered, is what I'm saying, is that your body is not even recognizing. Like, literally, this person is not here, so I'm going to chill. No. You then just start existing. And so when we talk about cortisol and and stress and that flight or flight, there's so many little ways that we're not identifying that keep us in that state, and they keep us on high alert, and they keep our body in a stress position. So then when you say, oh, women are the highest group that have issues with their heart or heart disease. You can't be in a consistent state of stress for years and decades and not put stress on your heart and your organs and your body. And so it's like, (laughs) could that be changed by who I talk to? Absolutely. And it seems so simple, but it's real.
1: Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is so something happened this weekend that I was not expecting Um. I was hanging around some friends and we were going to throw out candy um, out of the the cars for the parade at my city. And (laughs) one of the adults was like, "Um, make sure you only throw candy at the children. You know, like I don't know any adults that would run for candy, you know, except for like Liz. And her daughter was like, yo, that's rude, (laughs) you know. And I paused and she said, well, I'm not lying, And I paused because there were two ways that I could have gone, you know, like I could have been offended or I could have just processed. And I was like, oh, I was like, actually, I don't have an addiction to sugar anymore. Like sugar was a coping mechanism for the stress that I was under for all of those years. Yeah. And so I wouldn't necessarily run after a piece of candy anymore. Like I don't even eat cookies the way that I used to like two months ago because I'm on this healing journey. And it felt so good to be able to say, "I am not dependent on sugar to make me happy."
0: Yeah, and and this ties in, right? When we're talking about like how our bodies respond to trauma, um, I was—I don't know if I was listening to something or no, no, no. I'm in this other, um, this spiritual group, and they were saying that, especially people like if you have a specific maybe spiritual gift or typically you've had some very interesting childhood experiences as well. People that are that have certain gifts. And so they were saying sometimes people with particular gifts, they do cope with food Mm -hmm. or alcohol or drugs to suppress the expression of maybe something they've went through that was traumatic or even just their own personal giftings because it's overwhelming. And Again, your body keeps score. So when you are consuming that sugar and you're getting that release and you're like, oh, like you're going into that space of having that particular need met. Your body is then being trained to not deal with the discomfort head on, but to um, suppress it and 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 melt it sort of with this food that gives you this feeling, this dopamine hit. Or the sugar that gives you this dopamine hit to make you like relaxed. And then, so that impulse that you're talking about, where you would run after candy or whatever it was that was happening, that is the impulse to numb and like dull whatever thing is underneath the surface that is like, it might be too much for your heart, it might be too much for your mind. Absolutely.
1: And I think one of the most, um, insightful things that I've seen and I've been a part of in this season of my life is really seeing how we respond even to trauma that we don't know is there and I say all of that to say I am one of those highly gifted people so I am extra sensitive super feely emotions like if I don't control them they can very easily control me right and so I have learned that it can take something so little to become so big super fast if I am not self aware. Yeah. So, something that wouldn't necessarily make you cry can make me cry in an instant simply because it has triggered something that's, you know, years or months back that I didn't even know was hidden. Yeah. And as women, we're very good at. Loving unconditionally, just moving on and moving
0: forward. Now, I'm going to put a pin here. We're really good at loving others unconditionally. And we're kind of really bad at loving ourselves unconditionally. And loving ourselves and being compassionate with ourselves as we're healing is actually a key part of it. Where, you know, you mentioned this little thing might trigger you to have this particular response then you might spend however long being like, why am I reacting this way? And kind of like beating up on yourself or even having the reaction instead of being gentle with yourself and holding yourself with compassion. Like, hold on, let's discover, let's uh, dig a little deeper into why I had that response. Like, it takes us getting to a certain point before we hold ourselves with that level of grace. And we give that level of grace all day, every day to everybody else. But if we have a response and... We're judging ourselves and we're being harsh on oh, I shouldn't have done that, I should have kept it together and we're like in consideration of everybody else in the middle of our <laughs> triggered response. And so I think that's something also to consider, like the the one of the ways that our that we are really connecting our bodies to this, like for an extended period of time, is because we're constantly suppressing. And then we're existing and living in this shell of ourselves because all the real stuff, all the like heavy stuff is stuff below the surface for like years or decades or whatever it is. And so we are just sometimes existing in the world as a shell of what everybody else wants us to be. And then we're like, I don't know why I'm so unhappy. I don't know why I'm sad. Absolutely. And I think
1: that, for us a lot of times happiness is very subjective it's very dependent on other people it's very dependent on what we're working on and who we're championing and i've found in this season of my life um especially with everything that i'm like working on and juggling and all of the effects that the world is having you know um I have found myself in such a happy state, even with all of what needs to be done. And this is actually really foreign to me. <laughs> like, I've never, you know, it's always like, ah, stress and weight, and ah, and, and that's always been normal. But happiness
0: in the middle of all of my to-dos? Yeah. I'm telling you, I literally posted that, like, so there's like a, um, it's like it, uh, our own little, social media group but it's not like ig or anything i posted that i was like guys am i numb or is this the peace that passes all understanding because my life is crazy (laughs) and i am at peace and this is weird right and i have joy right like like you i've so what a realization to say oh, my God, I've never experienced real joy in my entire life if what I'm experiencing right now is joy.
1: And, okay, so I've experienced joy. Like, you see a newborn baby or you're around children, and that brings you joy. But that joy is still external. It's like... And it's fleeting. Yes. for a moment. I... Last week, I went and I followed up at the college and I completed all of my steps, including my application (laughs) for financial aid to go back to school. And my first, (laughs) yeah, let's (laughs) celebrate. My first initial response was like, what are you doing? This is too much. Three companies, new contracts. Like, I'm telling myself everything that's on my plate. And then I still finish and I get fully funded, like you know, for two whole semesters, like instantly. And there's so much excitement and there's so much joy. And I'm like, how am I this excited about work? Extra on Uh top of crazy work. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to pay the cost for what's locked up inside of me to be trained. Yep. And I'm so excited and proud of myself that I'm willing to do the work and I'm willing to show up and you know some people were like excited for me some people were like girl are you going to slow down and granted they are valid concerns I do have a lot on my plate But I I got in my prayer closet and the only reason that I'm saying this is because that's where I find my balance. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you can meditate, you can do whatever you want to do, but my balance is found in my prayer closet. And I was like, God, is this too much? Are they right? Am I? uh?" And all I heard in that moment was like, you're graced for this, for this season.
0: Yes. And that's. I love that. First of all, congratulations, because it's huge. It is huge. It's a huge undertaking. But when you're talking about, like, you going into the prayer closet and needing to be grounded, one of my moments of understanding, like, really, like, reconnecting with myself was a few years ago, Um, I had a somatic therapist. And one of the exercises she took me through was like being in fetal position, like laying on the floor. Being in fetal position. Opening, closing, like like I'm rolling all over the floor. So then... As we were walking through this, this exercise and I'm opening, I'm like getting all of these like memories and all of these like flashes of things that were like important to me as a, as a young person. And it was very emotional and informative. And so moving forward and kind of um, taking that information to the prayer closet, like, wait, God what? I didn't even know that was a burden in my heart from, like, two years old, three years old, four years old. And, you know, I think we underestimate stillness. As women, we are so quick to be, like, on the go, 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 that we don't understand the value, the, informa- the information, and the healing when we just, like, sit still, pray, or meditate, or whatever the case may be, but just being in stillness to get clarity of the things that are uh, related to us and to help us heal. Yeah. Like we're encouraged to be the, you know, women are amazing multitaskers and da 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 da. da. Like, and we need a moment to be balanced and grounded and in silence as just for us so we can get connected back to ourselves and get connected back to, like, oh, I was short with my child or my friend or my this because it's something totally different. But if you don't even know what that totally different thing is because you're never still, mm-hmm. you're doing, like, your whole world and your whole life and your whole community a disjustice in Absolutely. Terms of that or injustice, excuse me. Not
1: to mention that multitasking was never meant for humans. Multitasking was meant for computers. I have a friend and when I first started, you know, um, she had brought me onto her company to work and with her on a client and she was like, What are your skill sets? And I was like, I'm an amazing multitasker because my whole life I thought that was a great thing. And she's like, okay, before we move forward with any type of work, let me tell you that multitasking was made for computers and that is not an expectation that I have for you in working with me or my company. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah, I'm not being praised for it. (laughs) You don't want me to accomplish a million things with like
0: 24 hours in my day? What is this? But again, that body connection, right? When you when we study and we see how our human brains work, you begin to see, like, wait a second. Like, these things, these practices, these habits, are not good for my brain. And then when they're not good for my brain, they're not good for my emotions. They're not good for my body. They're not good for a whole bunch of things. And so we have a lot of challenges that are showing up in our lives and we haven't taken the time to intentionally look at you know (laughs) how we're working how we're processing how we're looking at screens or how how we're communicating like all of these things and then unbeknownst to us all the responses and the agitations they all get lodged in our bodies and then we're like oh why does this hurt oh, my body is aching, oh, my, and then we try to hyper-focus on that being the solo issue without looking at the web of connected issues and realizing, oh, my God, this is just my body responding to all the things that I've um, experienced or even put it through on my own over years or things that I've even experienced as a child over years, like, um, One of the things that I see the most, and this might be touchy for some people, Mm. but um, similar to breast cancer, uh, fibroids Mm. in the womb, um, menstrual issues, time and time and time again, and I'm speaking from a personal perspective. And I'm speaking from, like, seeing this um, in family and as a doula seeing this in clients. I'll say 99.9 because nothing is ever 100%. Somewhere in that person's lineage, there has been sexual abuse, putting yourself in positions uh, personally, like making choices around sexuality and all that, that's been unhealthy, there has been um, dishonor in the relationships that they've engaged in. And whether it's the person that's directly experiencing the fibroid issue or not, it's in their lineage. Direct, like mom. And in those instances where maybe mom has done some work or mom has taken the mantle and decided to break certain patterns, Then the next generation, that's not an issue. Yeah. And I've taken a couple of my clients, like, obviously, I'm like, okay, we need to address the physical. We need to get this lifestyle change, herbs. Um, You need to cut back on things that have, you know, high hormones like dairy and meat and all this, whatever. Okay. But (laughs) it won't work (laughs) unless you address the emotional component and the spiritual component. And then I've seen massive fibroids dissolve like that wow. <laughs> from doing the emotional and spiritual work combined with a lifestyle change. But typically, like on a physical level, that's going to take like weeks. But when I've seen women get into that quiet place and a lot of people don't do the work, they say like, OK, I'm just going to take herbs. I'm going to become a vegan. <laughs> And they're like, how come it's not working? They refuse to do the emotional and spiritual aspect of it. And so that lifestyle piece, I always tell people, like, that's cumulative. It takes some years to regenerate different organs and to have effect. Like, lifestyle changes are things that are supposed to be over a lifetime. But I have seen miraculous dissolving and disappearance when people... The women that have chosen to do the deep emotional and spiritual work, it's been amazing. So it is connect it's interconnected, but it's like it's a component of the healing work. Wow,
1: and you know, I find it very interesting that you bring that up because up until I was um 19 in early twenties. I had been diagnosed with Desmenorrhea which is like very Painful periods and there was no Fixing it to the point To where I think I was put on birth control My memory may be off but like At 11 or like 12 I was very Young Wow. And it was So bad that some days I would Just not go to school It Like abdominal Migraines like I didn't even know those things Were real but that's oh, what they were abdominal Like
0: abdominal migraines
1: yeah they were like yeah it's just very painful like it's in your stomach
0: Oof.
1: and well, sorry to hear that <laughs> girl <laughs> <That's> <laughs> i had so a migraine funny. two days <laughs> ago and i was like i haven't had one of these in forever i'm dying yeah. but up until i was 20 i want to say 2021 20, around that age i went to the doctor of course this was post-abortion so there was bigger risk of Painful periods and different things, you know, they tell you all of this when you're having the abortion. I went in there for a weird infection or something. I I was in a lot of pain and it was in my stomach. I, I didn't know what it was. And they tried to put me back on birth control. Grant you, by this time, I'm celibate. So I'm not having sex. So getting pregnant is not a thing. And I... Got off of birth control because it made me so depressed that I wanted to kill myself yeah, on yeah. a regular basis. Yeah. Like that was real. Real talk. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not a st- like I'm not yelling out statistics. Like this was the reality of what that medication did to me. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the doctor was like, "Well, you have two options. You know, we could give you high doses of medicine, or you could go back on birth control." And I was like, "I don't want either." like I want you to help me find out what is causing this so that I can change something and they refused. And so at that point I made a decision. I was like, "You know what? I'm going to trust that God can heal me from this and I'm not I'm not doing this. I I couldn't I couldn't go back to that state of depression. That was one thing that I I just couldn't fathom. And with that being said, I made the decision to heal and then of course through the trajectory of that time I went through a lot of inner healing Mm -hmm. and to where nowadays like I've done diet changes I've done a lot of things if I do get cramps it's like one day out of my cycle and it's very light and the only only time when I'm in dire pain or something like that it's either when I'm sick or when I've just like harassed my body with a horrible diet
0: yeah no it's it's so powerful and um, I really feel like it's 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 not talked about as much and as women go along their different journeys you kind of have changes and experiences but I'm telling you as a uh, observer (laughs) and someone who works closely with women consistently I'm always looking Like as a researcher, like from data points and I'm asking questions and I'm getting to the root of things and I'm kind of connecting dots. When a woman is intentional and serious about her emotional and spiritual healing, all kinds of issues that she's dealt with can literally disappear. However, if you just try to deal with the physical aspect of things, it's something where everything is not working and it could just be on and on and on and on. But this is definitely a two-part um, a two part uh, subject matter. So do you want to wrap us up and, and we'll continue this conversation in the next one? Absolutely. So we
1: would very much like it if you comment, liked, shared, and subscribed. We want to hear from you. What type of things are you facing? Um, what type of effects have you seen in your body you know we want to collect data from the women that we're serving and that are listening to us and you can find us at um, bit.ly forward slash women audaciously if you know somebody that needs to hear this share it with them we're so excited we cannot wait to talk to you soon all right guys Bye. bye